2: Join my hosts as they unravel the story of the largest and most shocking organization in the history of the troubled teen industry. Listen to season two of Trapped in Treatment on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts.
4: Murder Homes is a production of iHeartPodcasts.
0: I think a stigmatized home has to do with energy. But if a murderer has lived in your current home, is his energy still there?
4: That voice you just heard was Cindy Hagley. She's a real estate agent in Northern California that specializes in stigmatized properties. According to the National Association of Realtors, these are properties that are, quote, psychologically impacted by an event which occurred or was suspected to have occurred on the property, end quote. At the top of this list would be a home where a murder occurred. We'll be talking to Cindy more in a few minutes, but first I want to explain how I got interested in murder homes. And stigmatized properties. It all started when I temporarily moved in with my soon to be ex-girlfriend Leonia, in New Jersey. We stayed in a ranch-style home her mother owned. Leonia is a bedroom community, suburban, about a 15-minute drive from the George Washington Bridge and New York City. I'd spend my week in Brooklyn and drive out to Leonia on the weekends. This was early January. There were patches of snow in the suburban lawns out there. Her home was located near the end of a dead-end street. Beyond that, a high fence, a 24-hour shell station, the distant white noise of traffic on North Bergen Boulevard. Bored, I type in Leonia and see what came up on Google. I had discovered that a body had been found in Overpeck Park the year before. A robbery had happened a few streets away. But one of those nights I found myself Googling more and an older crime popped up. It turned out that on one freezing winter day, in January 1975, Leonia had been infamous. Just before noon on January 8, 1975, a father and son, pretending to be insurance salesmen had knocked on the door of 124 Glenwood Avenue. As soon as it was opened, they burst in and held eight people hostage. When they finally left later that afternoon, a young nurse named Maria Fashing would be dead And Leonia, a community where everyone kept their doors unlocked, would never be the same. But reading about a crime is one thing. Seeing the house where it took place is another. This is Murder Homes. I'm Matt Marinovich. 124 Glenwood was an eight-minute walk from where I was living. Being curious, I walked over there with Ray, who turned out to be the perfect partner. I felt I looked a lot less suspicious with the dog as I stopped and stared at the home. 124 Glenwood is a two-story, four-bedroom home with a stucco exterior. A detached garage sandwiched between two other homes. There's a large tree in the front yard that leans toward the shingled roof. In black-and-white photographs taken after the murder, that same tree is there the home looks exactly the same there's something you sense in the air when you walk by a murder home like Cindy Hagley said it's a kind of energy I don't believe in ghosts so it's not that but I feel like there's this pull that the home can't shake what happened so long ago no matter how much carpet has been ripped up and laid down no matter how many fresh coats of paint have been slapped on the history is still there this gaping hole. The home is a survivor of the crime just as much as anyone else, and it wants to tell its story to anyone who will listen. My interest in 124 Glenwood and the dramatic events that happened there brought to mind other murder homes that I had read about over the years. And as I delved into them, the term, quote, stigmatized property came up again and again. You might be familiar with some other famous stigmatized addresses, 875 South Bundy Drive, the Nicole Simpson home. 10050 Cielo Drive, where Manson followers murdered Sharon Tate and her friends. 112 Ocean Avenue, the home in Amityville, where Ronald DeFeo Jr. killed his parents and four siblings. A murder home can sell for as much as 25% off its market value. So for a home that might look as well-kept as any other on the street, you might be getting the bargain of a lifetime as long as you don't mind knowing what happened inside its walls. When I list a
0: stigmatized home, number one, I want multiple offers. I want the home pristine. I advertise and market it just like a regular home.
4: That's Cindy Hagley, the real estate agent who specializes in stigmatized properties that we heard from at the beginning of this episode. After my visit to 124 Glenwood, I decided it was time to talk to some experts about stigmatized properties. So I called her up. To ask her more about her process.
0: My goal is to get multiple offers, pit the buyers against each other for the highest price. When that competitive edge comes in and we've chosen a contract to accept, at that point, I will disclose that, hey, something's happened here or three kids were murdered here in the living room in 1968. Whatever I need to disclose, I will disclose it. But at that point, after the buyer's have bidded against each other. And it's usually a two or three day process. And in the state of California, we have a shortage of homes. I have never lost a deal because I've disclosed something.
4: That's terrific. I want to ask a quick follow up to that, though. Do you find most buyers then say, I don't want to hear anything more about what happened here? Or do you get buyers who will say, "I tell me more?
0: Oh, they don't get a novel like War and Peace telling them what happened. (laughs) Like, By the way, somebody died in the house like six years ago. Oh, okay. Some people ask questions. If they ask questions, they get top of the tree responses. If they ask more detailed questions, I will tell them anything and everything they want to know.
4: Okay. And you said you got into this niche. How did that happen just specifically with stigmatized homes? How do you get into a niche as an agent?
0: The first stigmatized home that I dealt with was a little two-story turn-of-the-century home in Northern California. I got a call and uh, listed the property, had it for sale. During the first open house, I'm sitting at the dining room table and I think I'm seeing something moving on the stairway. And I kept sensing this and I would look up and there was nothing there. And this happened two or three times. And I was convinced that there was somebody in the home, even though at that moment I knew I was alone. Went upstairs, looked around and there was nobody there. So a couple hours later when the owner came home I said, you know, this is going to sound really weird, but I kept seeing things at the top of the stairs and she says, "Oh, you met my ghost." Okay, well tell me about that. And apparently there had been sightings in this home by her and her boyfriend for several years and she decided not to mention it to me, which was fine because in the state of California, you don't have to report a death in the house after 2 years, but I'm a buy the book kind of broker, so I felt this needed to be disclosed. But anyway, somebody did buy the house. We did disclose that we thought it was haunted. And not only did the buyer buy the home, they insisted the cat and the home came with them, which I thought was
4: odd. And stigmatized And a cat with it. Yeah. Was there one that sticks out as being particularly difficult? As, as far as a stigmatized home because of what had happened there, particularly challenging.
0: Yes. There is a home here in Northern California that had a very, very high profile murder. It was an attorney and they were building this beautiful new home, just a gorgeous home on a hill. And they had a mobile home on the premises where they were living while this home was being built. Well, at some point, a kid in the neighborhood decides that he needs to kill these people for whatever reason. I think he was looking for drug money. The attorney was at work, his wife and maybe a child were home, but they came in and just bludgeoned them. They just bludgeoned the family to death. So all over the news, from every angle, helicopters on the ground, you knew where this home was and what it looked like. And I really don't want to mention the home or the city. But... That home sat on the market for at least two to three years. And when I first walked the property, I knew exactly what the issue was. You walk into the property and over to the left from the gate, you could still see the imprint from where the mobile home sat. So everybody knew where this murder occurred and you had to pass this spot to get up to the main house. So I only had one suggestion. Make that go away, replant, put in a fountain, put in flowers, do absolutely anything you need to do to not make it obvious that that's where the murder occurred. They did it. I think it took them a couple of weeks to do the landscaping. It sold 60 days after that.
4: That's fascinating. And that's that's the only time you've really staged like a murder home specifically because of a portion of the home had been involved in this crime scene.
0: Oh, I stage homes all the time. Like if I have somebody swinging from a chandelier in the dining room, that dining room is going to be staged to the T. I want them to fall in love with that dining room and not imagine what happened there. Also, when a death occurs on the property, I'm not saying, oh, yeah, this occurred in the master bedroom or, you know, he stabbed Mm -hmm. himself with a corkscrew in the kitchen or dining room. I'm not saying that. I just say a death has occurred. But wherever that death has occurred, in case somebody asks or a neighbor comes through, I make sure that area is as warm and inviting as possible.
4: Do you find people, buyers are coming to you to buy stigmatized property? Do you have a buyer, for instance, who might say, I'm looking for a stigmatized property, a murder home?
0: Anyone that comes to me specifically looking for a stigmatized home is batshit crazy. <laughs> And I run, there are people out there that think they can buy homes, stigmatized homes, decrepit homes, whatever for pennies on the dollar. But in today's reality, you can't do that. My homes always sell above market because I'm a salesperson, not just a realtor. And you can't pick up a stigmatized home for pennies on the dollar. Every stigmatized home that I have sold has been at market value or greater. So no, the people that come looking for the haunted house or whatever, I will not deal with. I'll give them to someone on my team to deal with, a buyer's agent. But those that I'm aware of have never turned into a transaction.
4: We'll be back after a short break.
1: Hey, girlfriends, it's me, Carol Fisher. I'm so excited to tell you about the brand new series of The Girlfriends. but it's going to be one hell of a ride. (gasps) What? I can't believe this. Listen to season two of The Girlfriends, Our Lost Sister on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. Hey
2: guys, this is Paris Hilton. Trapped in Treatment is back, and this season we're taking on Wasp.
0: They held us in dog cages. They starved us. They beat us.
5: Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcast.
4: We're back with Murder Homes. After my conversation with Cindy, my head was spinning. I wondered if the current occupants of the house in Leonia even knew of the murder that had happened there. Did the real estate broker disclose it to the buyers? Did they have to? I also wondered about my own home, or any home. More sleuthing on Google led me to the website, Died In Home. For a fee, the website will find out if a death occurred in your home. And once you have that name, you can find out if it was a natural death or something more sinister. I reached out to the man behind the website, Roy Condry. I wanted to find out more about his story and the people who use his website. He told me that he started the website after he discovered his own home was stigmatized.
3: I had a couple of rental properties and I was managing it myself. And so I knew the tenants and she texted me in the middle of the night and she said, did you, did you, know your house is haunted? So I just replied back and I was like, Whoa, okay. I said, well, what do you mean? Tell me more. And she never replied back, but the next day I thought about it and I got online and I was looking for like a Carfax for homes. So I couldn't find any tool that would tell you if your house is haunted, but I saw the you know, results in my Google search saying, how do I find out if my house is haunted? How do I find out if someone's died in my house? And, and then I did find where realtors were giving advice how to do it. And they're saying, you know, ask your realtor, ask the neighbors, go check, you know, public records, and so forth. So that's easier said than done. Because when you go look, you're typically finding the owner of the house, uh, not really finding the roommates necessarily, or the the kids, or whoever that's lived in that house, and maybe they've passed away in that house. So it's really time-consuming, but I did go down the path, and I didn't find anything in that house, but I found out in my other rental property that two people died there, so it just shocked me. Like, well, everybody feels differently about a death in a home, and so me, I may be a little more skittish than the normal person, <laughs> but I can live with peaceful death in the home, I could live with that. But my wife, on the other hand, she doesn't want any death in the home. And then you've got just different levels of that. It can be just tragic, horrifying events. I definitely don't want to be in there. And I know a lot of people that don't. So I just feel like this information needed to be disclosed to home buyers. but I found out that it doesn't have to. in most states, mm-hmm. there's a lot of states that have laws. I'm in South Carolina. It has a law, but it's not worth the ink. And it says if the, buyer asks the seller and the seller knows then they should disclose the information and that goes for the realtor also they should disclose the information but there is no legal action can be held against them for not
4: i asked roy if there were any homicides like the one in leonia that he had come across on his website at the time
3: 2013 there was a house in burton pennsylvania and what happened is this lady her and her husband and children lived in california She's from Pennsylvania, but they lived in California. Her husband passed away and she decided to move back home with her kids. And they bought a home, really nice home in a cul-de-sac for like $650,000 or something like that. They moved in and it, within like two months, she was claiming in that time frame she was witnessing, you know, paranormal experiences, but then like two months later, her kids are told that there was a murder-suicide in that house like a year earlier. And that information wasn't disclosed to her, and she wasn't comfortable with it. But what happened is the, the murder-suicide happened. They tried to sell it. I guess too many people were aware of it, and no one bought it. And then some the investors bought it, and they asked. They, they were aware, and they asked, do we have to disclose this? And the realtor said no. And so they bought it for a discount, and they flipped it to her and didn't disclose it. They sold it to her for the price of a normal home that a murder didn't happen in. And so she wasn't comfortable. She took him to court, and in in the end, it went to New York's Supreme Court. And uh, the judge, he said something like, "I I understand you lost like one hundred fifty thousand in equity, equity, but there's uh, no law disclosing that they had to stating that they had to disclose that information to you." So she was stuck in her
4: home. Roy told me that he sometimes gets emails from people upset about the information in their report. You know, it's it's kind of private to him. Maybe it just
3: happened recently, or I don't, I don't know. But on the opposite side of that, we have people sending us death certificates of their family and, and asking us to put their home in the database. I'm presuming they've moved out of the property, but uh, we have people informing us and we want to verify the data, especially when people give it to us. So I asked for some kind of death certificate or news
4: story or something like that. Roy, I was going to ask you, are buyers using your website to get deals on stigmatized property? Yes, and I have some examples
3: of that. So, our, our theory is this. So, when you first present this to people, it's not something you always think about, especially when you're talking about real estate. And you're the realtor, the seller, as you know, you're cleaning your house up, you're staging it, you're making it look nice and new and, and staying positive. And, and the buyer, they're excited because they're about to get a new house. So, it's a positive thing. And you don't typically ever think about, has someone died in this house? <laughs> Unless it looks scary. You know, maybe it's an old. Victorian house, and you're not used to buying those, or something. I don't know. So people, they don't think about it. But I know that people have different thoughts of what bothers them. I'm not trying to say that a death in the house bothers everybody. So, so there's people that don't think they believe or think they care. But uh, I, I believe a lot more more do. But if you don't care that there was a death in the home. Then there's people like on the paranormal side, you know, Amityville Horror, all, all those things, and the dark energy and, and what have you. There's those people that may care at one level and the another. If you don't care about any of that, these stigmatized properties have proven to be devalued. You know, Realtor.com in 2021 said you can uh, expect to pay 10 to 25% less of regular price. Some homes sell for more, but I think that's all about location and uh, demand. You know, if like you're in New York City and I believe there's a shortage there, people can look past it. But if you're out in where I live and you have two homes and they're identical and one had a a murder-suicide in it and you knew about it and you had the other one that was fine, I believe most people are not going to live in a murder-suicide one.
4: And then I thought I might ask Roy a very obvious question. You know, I guess it might be darkly funny for the show to to find out if I'm living in a murder home, you know, so Mm -hmm. I can give you I can give you my address if you want. Okay, go ahead. We'll be back after a short break.
1: Hey, girlfriends, it's me, Carol Fisher. I'm so excited to tell you about the brand new series of The Girlfriends. but it's going to be one hell of a ride. (gasps) What? I can't believe this. Listen to season two of The Girlfriends, Our Lost Sister on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts.
2: Hey guys, this is Paris Hilton. Trapped in Treatment is back, and this season we're taking on Wasp.
0: They held us in dog cages. They starved us. They beat us.
5: Apple Podcasts or wherever you get your podcast.
4: We're back with Murder Homes. So I gave Roy my address. Although I heavily doubted it was stigmatized because I'd heard nothing from my neighbors who seemed to know everything that had happened in my Brooklyn neighborhood, way back to when it was a whole lot less gentrified. That night, I started thinking about what Roy had said, how some people are fine sleeping in a room where a murder suicide had happened and others like himself and his wife are much more skittish. What if you lived in a home where a murder had happened and heard strange noises at night, felt the presence of something sinister in the air? Because there's a whole lot of murder in the United States. On every block, on every quiet tree-lined street, something bad has happened inside at least one home. And next week we'll learn all about one completely unnerving murder home that was just recently on the market. Was the real estate agent honest about it? We'll find out. And there's one more thing. Roy Condry sent the report on my home to one of my producers. He said not to be too freaked out, so.
1: Yeah, so no one has actually died, or no no one was murdered.
4: That's the good news. But. This is Murder Homes. Thanks for listening. Homes is a production of iHeartPodcasts. For more shows from iHeartPodcasts, visit the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you listen to your favorite shows.
1: Hey girlfriends, it's me, Carol Fisher, back with another season of the Global Number One Podcast, The Girlfriends. Last time we investigated the murder of Gail Katz. This time, we're uncovering the identity of the woman who was buried in Gail's grave for a decade before she disappeared. Join me and the rest of the club as we tell her story. Listen to season two of The Girlfriends, Our Lost Sister on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts.
2: Hey guys, this is Paris Hilton. Trapped in Treatment is back, and this season, we're taking on WASP, the worldwide association of specialty programs and schools.